Welcome to another episode of The Bear's Den. I am very excited for our guest today, who is known as the Dominator. No, he's not a WWE wrestler. He's Mike Dom, pro basketball player, who was a, a stud at South Dakota State for many years. And we're very excited to have Mike joining the show today. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate you having me on. You bet. You bet. Um, so, Mike, you and I just connected about one year ago, roughly. Um, we met last year at a Wolves game when you were in town with uh, South Dakota State Jackrabbit teammate Skylar Flatten. It was around uh, Final Four time, and I remember you were with fellow um, Jackrabbit alum John and Steve Brown, who um, the four of you, that was quite the uh, Jackrabbit alumni group, I got to say. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a fun experience, you know, to be able to come there and uh, connect with you and spend some time, you know, with uh, former Jackrabbit alumni and then obviously uh, spending time with Skylar. So it was, uh, it was a great night. Yeah, definitely. And then also, Mike, you were in town. You, know, you competed in the three-point competition that was going on around Final Four time. And uh, you and I were talking. You had a, a special little surprise plan there. Um, if you would have made it so far in the competition, can you maybe – share for us what uh, your plans were yep i uh i had a uh, my secret larry bird jersey hidden under hidden under my jackrabbit one so if i would have made it to that final round i was i was gonna pull off the old larry bird and shoot my last shot and just point the finger point my finger upwards but a little disappointed in myself i didn't make it past the first round but you know it was still a great event yeah, definitely. And uh, you and I were talking before that competition, Mike, I don't know if you remember this, but I, I said there's one guy that you got to watch out for in the competition. Do you remember who that was? I don't. I don't. I think, bad, bad memory right now. I can't think of it. I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue. The moment you say it, I'm going to be like, oh, I, I should have known that. Yep. I think he may have won it, in fact. Oh, Clayton. Clayton. Yep. Clayton yep. Custer. Yep. And uh, the reason I, I was suggesting that is he already had experience shooting in Target Center as his yep. high school team played in our uh, Timberwolves shootout a while back and uh, had a great performance there. So that was kind of my little insight for, for you. But uh, yeah, Clayton's a great guy. I know you're friends with him as well, right, Mike? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me and Clayton, uh, you know, obviously we knew each other before. I've seen, you know, a lot of his, I haven't seen games, but I've seen, watched a lot of film on him and, uh, you know, for us to just kind of connect and bond, we both have mutual friends with uh, a couple a couple guys in the league right now. So, yeah, Clayton's a good dude. Yeah, awesome. And so, obviously, part of the reason you're probably, you know, you were invited to uh, competitions and stuff like that, Mike, is your ability to shoot, you know, and, and just score the basketball. So, for those of, you know, the people that are listening that don't know, you rank as the number seven all-time scorer in the history of men's college basketball. So let people chew on that for a minute. You know, you are one, you are one of the of seven people to top, top the 3,000 point mark. Um, and you rank ahead of, I'm just gonna list some of these players, Mike, you rank ahead of overall in, in college. Oscar Robertson, Larry Bird, Danny Manning, Elvin Hayes, JJ Redick, Luel Sindor, and Christian Leitner. You know, just some college legends to name a few did you ever imagine you would accomplish something like that when you started out i never did um you know for me i was i was very fortunate to have teammates and a coaching staff that kind of supported how i played so you know a lot of a lot of my accomplishments and credits should definitely go to you know them just because those are the guys that were willing to pass me the ball when they have shots um you know for me to get mine but to be mentioned, you know, in a sentence next to, you know, some of those guys who are unbelievable players and, and like you said, legends has, uh, it's, it's a blessing for me for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it just shows to, you know, your improvement and, and like you said, the, the teammates that you played with over the years and, and all that. So I'm now I'm going to give you a, a little quiz, quiz here, Mike, not to put you on the spot, but do you know who's number one on that scoring list all time? Uh, Pistol Pete. Right. Right. And so he, he's the leader with 3,667 points. Yep. And by the way, he did it in three years. And no three-point line. Exactly. So you beat me to it. That was going to be my next question <laughs> for you. So he, he had um, 3,667 points. You had 3,067. And I was going to ask you, how many three-pointers did he make? 
And yep. the answer is zero. You got it. Yeah, I knew it. Someone, I think I remember reading some some articles. Somebody uh, sketched out if he would have shot like the number of threes he would have actually taken in college would have bumped into like thirty or almost four thousand points or something like that. Yeah, I mean, just an amazing college career at LSU. Um, not to make you feel bad about your accomplishments, you know, or anything, Mike, but your all-time scoring average was twenty-two, roughly, and change. Pistol Pete was double that. Yeah. You know, I mean, just just an amazing run that that guy had. Just unbelievable. So kudos to you for for knowing the the, the three number of three pointers and stuff that he had. So um, just to get into your history now, Mike, I just think you have a really um, cool story. Um, obviously, where you grew up, small town, um, Kimball, Nebraska, right? About twenty five hundred people. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a small town guy as well. I'm from Aiken, Minnesota. It's, uh, when I was growing up there, it was about 1,700. Now it's about 2,000. So we uh, eclipsed that big number like you guys did. But uh, um, in doing a little background on you, Mike, it sounds like uh, your mom, Michelle, was quite the basketball player in her own right. Can you tell us a little bit about your mom and, and her career at Wyoming? Yeah, yeah. My mom is definitely the, the hooper of the family. Um, you know, she's from, she's from Oregon and, uh, she went to the university of Wyoming and, uh, I gotta give, I gotta give a lot of credit to her with, uh, how she taught me to shoot the ball, you know, just the little things, flick of the wrist and things like that. But my mom was, my mom was a stud, you know, she was the all-time leading scorer for a while at, in Wyoming history, rebounder, um, and things like that. I know she's in the hall of fame now, so. I took a lot of my game from from her, and uh, you know she's she's definitely uh, an all star. Yeah, and your your dad played football there, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yep, he did. He played football at uh, football at University of Wyoming, and then he had a just a one season stint with the Houston Oilers for a little bit. So okay. he was a he was a pretty good athlete himself, and uh, I definitely you know I got a I got really good genes. Yeah, I would say so. So mom and dad are both great athletes, Mike, in, in different sports. How did you kind of, you know, get drawn to basketball with your mom doing that? You know, most of the time guys get enamored with what their dad does. And, and you know, I'm surprised you didn't become interested in football. But how, how did you kind of go down that path for basketball and following your mom's footsteps? Yeah, for, for me, I mean, my mom had a basketball, I swear, in my hand since I came out the womb. So um, ever since I was little, I just kind of loved the game. Um, and it just came really naturally to me. Uh, my mom, like I said, we, my mom used to create these, these funny games in the living room of just flicking the basketball, simple things like that. And I would say that my love for the game really, really came over when I was like a seventh or eighth grader, just because at the time, too, I was growing so fast as a kid um, that I knew I kind of didn't want to play football. My knees might have been taken out and I was just really, really excelling at the game of basketball. So going into that is when I kind of decided I'm like, I I just want to focus on basketball and kind of see where it takes me. Yep, that's great. And, you know, growing up in a small town, Mike, you never really know you know, what kind of team you're going to be on, you know, because at least in my town and other small towns that I know of, a lot of times there, there are no cuts, you know, you just need whoever's going to go out to make the team. So what was your high school team? Like, were you guys average, middle of the pack, really good? Like, can you describe your, your high school squad for us? Yeah, I I would say for us, um, we're kind of middle of the pack. You know, there's a there's a big difference in Nebraska between the western side of the state and the eastern side of the state. You know, the eastern side, you know, there's there's tons of guys that go high level, high major basketball players, you know, from high school there. And for us on the western side, you have very few guys that, you know, you can name that'll that'll come out of, you know, western Nebraska and go to a D one school or or end up making, you know, a big name for themselves. So for me in high school, honestly a lot of it was me just enjoying time with my friends. That was, that was me being able to spend time with my, with my friends because, you know, a lot of us were kind of spread out in the town, you know, once school was over, my buddy would head back to his farm to, to go work. I would head back to, to my family farm and things like that. So it was kind of a chance for us to, to spend time, but now we were, we were middle of the pack, but we did have a, a lot of success for being such a small, a small school on the Western side of the state. Yeah, that's great. And so when, when did you kind of pick up basketball and, and start taking it really seriously, Mike? Do you know what year or how old you were when you really started taking it seriously? 
Yeah, it would it would have to be my after my freshman year of high school. Um, you know, at that point, I'm you know still super young, don't really know what I want to do um, with my life or anything. And I think a lot of kids are are in that stage. You know, they just come home, play video games, spend time with their friends. But for me, that summer um, is when I joined my AAU team out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And at that point is when I was introduced to, to my AAU coach, Brandon Valdez. And he was kind of the one who opened my eyes to, listen, if, if you really, you know, work at this, you have a special talent, you can take this, you know, as far as your imagination. And my mom was the one who kind of was telling me this and pushing me towards it, you know, through my whole life. Um, but for me to kind of hear it from an outside source too, is when I kind of started to take it seriously. And then once AAU happened, um, you know, I got to meet some amazing teammates and, and lifelong friends on that AAU team. And then once I got to, you know, those big AAU tournaments, that's when my, you know, exposure kind of really took off for me. And uh, that's when, you know, things kind of got serious. And I'm like, okay, like, this is what I want to do. This is what I need to focus my, my time and energy and all my effort in and uh, see how far it'll take me. Yeah, for, for you, Mike, being from a small town, was the AAU team that you were on in Colorado and that circuit kind of the key to you getting into a division one school? Cause like you said, you know, Western Nebraska didn't get that much attention. Was that kind of the key to putting you on the map, so to speak? It for sure was, um, you know, for me, the, I could have played for a Nebraska AU team, but it was seven hours away on the Eastern side of the state. So <laughs> being able, you know, my mom, my mom, and actually it was my best friend's mom um, who found this AAU team in Fort Collins and was like, let's just try it out. And once I tried it out, that was that was like the key to me getting that exposure that I needed in front of, you know, division one coaches to, you know, get myself out there. And obviously my second and third year, my sophomore and junior year of, of that AAU in high school is really when, you know, things started happening. I started receiving recruiting letters and offers and things like that. So being able to, you know, get out in division one eyes, uh, I, I credit a lot of that to AAU. So it was kind of your junior year going into your senior season Mike is that what you were saying as far as the, when the interest really picked up for you yeah that that was definitely my big one um that was like the big summer I had um you know we were in some high level tournaments and we were winning you know some high level games I, I know against you know AAU teams that were ranked or had had super highly ranked guys and you know it was it was good for us because we were able to go out there and just show them you know, solid fundamental basketball. We didn't have any super flashy guys who were dunking or things like that, but we just had a bunch of solid players. And, you know, we really, you know, just helped each other climb and grow. Um, and for me, a lot of that is, you know, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm enjoying the experience with my teammates and making sure that I'm taking care of them and giving them the best experience. So part of the process for me is just enjoying, you know, what I'm doing and who I'm around, taking things day by day. Um, I'm sure I'll say that eventually more in, in the podcast, but uh, I do take things day by day and that's really just enjoying the experiences, what helped me, you know, get exposed and then eventually make it to the division one level. Yeah. And did I read some crazy stat, Mike, that you hit something like 13 threes in one game or something like that? Is that accurate? It is uh, 12. I think I had 12 and it was, it's funny because everyone always brings us up to, it was against Taco Fall, who's with the, who's with the Celtics right now. So it was against his Florida team. And uh, yeah, that was a, that was one of the craziest games ever. Oh, nice. Nice. So um, as we get to the end of your high school career, Mike, what was the interest from schools, from colleges for you? You know, did you have a kind of a final list narrowed down to, or what, what was your outlook there? Yeah, I ended, you know, going into my senior year, I, I, I want to say I had 10 Division One offers, um, you know, a lot of mid-major schools um, who, who picked me, um, which was very cool. But when it got down to it, I, I, if I remember correctly, my list of like top three or four was, was South Dakota State, um, Nebraska, Omaha, uh, Idaho State, and um, University of North Dakota. I want to say. And, uh, you know, once it came down to it, I took only one recruiting trip and I took it to South Dakota state. Um, and I just kind of fell in love with the philosophy philosophy of the team that they had there, you know, and I could just tell that it was a, a solid group of guys who enjoyed being around each other on and off the court. And you could just tell that, you know, they had a, a past of successful, you know, making it to the NCAA tournament for me coming out of high school. That was just one of my goals and, you know, a dream you, you watch March Madness and you want to play in it. So that made a, that made a big difference too. 
Yeah, I can imagine. And so now we, you decide on South Dakota State, Mike, you're there, and your freshman year is coming up and you redshirt. Um, what, what kind of went into that decision in, in you deciding to redshirt that year? Uh, it was the summer. The summer that kind of that made that decision for me. You know, for me coming out of Western Nebraska, super small school, you know, I didn't take weightlifting very seriously. For me, it was just spending time in the gym. So I get to college and I didn't realize the transition of physicality. And man, I got my I got my butt whooped every single day in summer. And I mean, because we had we had a, a super good center at the time. Uh, his name's Cody Larson, and he went to you know first he went to University of Florida and then transferred back to South Dakota State. So I mean, that guy was a beast and he used to, he used to kick my butt every single day in practice. And I remember just kind of taking it like, this is what I need to do. I, I know that I need to focus on this. And uh, then, you know, obviously that first year comes up and I'm like, coach, like I, I want a red shirt. And he's like, yeah, I think it's a good decision. So that red shirt year was definitely so beneficial for me. Um, you know, I don't have any regrets. It was hard at the same time though, because I come in with, you know, two other freshmen and both of those guys play right away. So I'm redshirting by myself and it's kind of just a grind every day. You know, I feel like I'm by myself, but at the same time, you know, I know I have the support of all those coaches, my teammates and, and my family back home. So I know it was the, the correct decision for me. Yeah. So when you're, when you're redshirting, Mike, are you scrimmaging against the guys in practice during the season, like running the scout team? Like what are you doing as a redshirt with the team exactly? Yeah, I, I am. It's full practices pretty much. Um, and I just don't play the game. So for me, it is, it's a, I'm scout team every single day. Um, I'm, you know, trying to give the guys the best look of, you know, the guys on the other teams. So for me, it was lifting even harder, you know, than regular guys, especially during the season, you know, once things get going in season lifts really toned down, but for me, they just really bump up and ramp up just because, you know, that's the time to build muscle and, and, and really start to gain strength. So for me, it was, going into practices twice as sore as everybody else, but just having to, you know, find a way to get through it and, and uh, enjoy it uh, all at the same time. Yeah, though, no, I bet uh, you probably picked up a lot of extra muscle and, and conditioning during that time for sure. So um, now we get into your, your red shirt freshman year, you know, the 2015-2016 season. And it was probably an interesting one for you. You were um, coming off the bench and you were actually selected as sixth man of the year. Um, for the Summit League that year. And what, what sort of things, you know, were you working on most for your game, Mike, to improve, to get, you know, the minutes and get in the game and, and kind of shine as that sixth man? Yeah, for me, um, you know, I took that redshirt year for sure to, to get my physical physique, you know, ready to go for, for the college game, just because I knew that the wear and tear it's going to have on your body. And then for me, um, you know, I've always been a guy who's, who's tall and who can shoot the basketball. And I've always had, you know, my, my mom to credit with teaching me ball handling skills and things like that. So I feel like at my height, I've always been kind of crafty with the basketball. And, you know, for me, it was, it was something that, you know, you come to college and you do have to prove yourself to the coaches, to your teammates, because, you know, it, you're not just going to walk in and have kind of this prima donna, you know, set system where you can just come in and thrive right away. So for me, uh, my main mindset was I just wanted to do whatever it took to help the team win, you know, uh, and that's kind of something that I've always had in my head, you know, whether it is sitting on the bench cheering as hard as I can or whether it's playing the game, I just want to do whatever I can do to, you know, help the team win. And for me, I, I did take that mindset in, you know, at the start of the season, it was it was slow with my minutes. Um, but I knew that just being consistent, you know, showing up to practice each day with a good attitude, showing up with the right energy, you know, never never acting tired, never showing a weakness. That's kind of something that helped me thrive. And, you know, you could just kind of tell over that freshman, that freshman year for me, um, you know, I think I started, I would come off the bench very last if I was going to be put in. And then uh, I just slowly but surely consistency, you know, I would go in, I would hit the shots that I had, I would, I would make the correct plays um, and I'd come out. And then the next game, a little more, a little more, a little more until I kind of got a good grasp of, you know, Coach Nagy at the time uh, for me was like, I can bring such good energy coming off the bench as the sixth man. And it was like a, it was kind of a good like relief. Everyone was going super hard and then I could come in and kind of give everyone another second wave. So for me, that freshman year was, was a, a fantastic experience. Um, you know, it's funny, people always ask me, you know, well, didn't you want to start? Didn't you want to do anything? And I, and I always tell them, I think, you know, for me at that time, it was perfect for me to come off the bench just because um, that's just how the system was. And that's how we were able to flow. And we had a, a lot of success. Um, 
that year. So for me, I, I had no complaints. I, I wouldn't have changed it at all. Yeah. Kudos to you for, for accepting that role and thriving in it. So I hate to bring this up, Mike, as a, a, you know, a gopher alum and stuff, but that year you guys came in, I don't know if you remember to Minneapolis and beat the gophers by 14 at the barn. Do you remember that game? Oh, I do. I do. Um, that was, that was such a fun game. I know, I know my teammate, Jake Biddle, he went off that game. He had five or six threes. Um, no, I still remember it. That was a, it was a it was a big game for us for some reason. I, there was some there's some like underlining rivalry we have with the Gophers, um, and I know there was a, there was a lot of trash talk going on during that game. Yeah, that one. Uh, I might have even been at that game. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, bu- great for you guys. Bummer for the Gophers. So um, <laughs> that year, Mike, your your first year, you know, redshirt freshman, you guys share the conference regular season uh, title. And then you go on to make the NCAA tournament, winning the, the conference championship, the tournament that year. And you make the big dance and go to the NCAA tournament for the first time. What, what is that experience like, making it to the NCAA tournament? Is everything you hoped it would be? Oh, my gosh. Um, it's an unbelievable experience. You know, those are, those are definitely the memories that I'll hold on to and that I'll have with, with those teammates, you know, when I meet up with them in 20, 30 years. And we'll just laugh and, and be able to talk about because – you know, making the NCAA tournament is like a dream of every young hooper I know out there in high school or wherever, you know, you want to make the NCAA tournament, you want to be in that big spotlight. But, you know, that that feeling um, of winning the conference tournament is something that's, you know, unbelievable. I can't even recreate it in my mind because those feelings are, you know, only feelings you can feel at that exact moment. Um, but making the NCAA tournament was, you know, a fantastic experience. Experience. You know, it, it's crazy because you come from such, you know, a small mid-major school and now you're kind of put into the spotlight. Um, and then for us, you know, we get this we get this plane with all our fans and we get to go to these awesome locations and, and you know, see all these, you know, awesome things on TV, ESPN. And, and for us, you know, a lot of guys um, come from smaller towns or smaller schools to South Dakota State. So when we just come together like that, it's, it's the experience that you have with each other as teammates, too, that you remember forever. So making the NCAA tournament is, is definitely one of a kind. I was, I was very fortunate to, to make it three times. So, Yeah, and you guys uh, gave it a great run that year, Mike. First round against Maryland. I think it was a pretty, pretty close game. You, did you guys have them on the ropes? We definitely did. That's, I mean, there's, there's two NCAA tournaments uh, that I think about in my mind that we really had a, had a legit shot to win, and that was definitely one of them. You know, that, that game was fantastic. I remember that game was was amazing you know we did we took them down to the wire I think we were down most of the most of the game but ended up being able to come back at the end and then just had a couple couple turnovers at the end that hurt us um but man I, I remember those NCAA tournament games like the back of my hand I remember Jake Lehman going off for for Maryland at the time and uh uh you know Melo Tremble he was just so crafty and then uh Suleiman I just remember he transferred from Duke and then went to Maryland and, and they had a, they had a powerhouse team that year, but you know we were fortunate to stick with them as long as we didn't give them a run for their money. Yeah. Jake Lehman, current Timberwolves player. So yep, yep. we've, uh, we've got to see him firsthand up close. So after that year, Mike, you guys lose in the first round of the, of the tournament. And then the guy that recruited you coach Scott Nagy um, leaves been, been at South Dakota state for over 20 years, takes the job at Wright state. And uh, with him leaving, Mike, and, and you coming off a red shirt freshman year, did you consider making a change as well? I definitely did. Um, that, was, that was probably one of the most stressful months after the season that I've ever had, just in terms of, man, like this head coach uh, invested so much in me, and I feel like I've invested so much into him. Um, you know, so for me, it was a, man, do I follow him where he goes? Do I look at another option of school of going to? Um, and then once kind of our, our, uh, AD brought in a couple of the candidates for the, for next year's coaching job, I knew once we got, um, you know, our new head coach, uh, it was like locked in. I was staying for sure. Just because I, I, I saw the vision that he had, I saw how bought in he was, um, to us and, you know, what he had planned. And I was like, this is the place to stay. You know, this is a, a school that I committed to, um, as a whole. So for me, it's kind of something where I start something and I'm going to finish it, you know, where I started. So I kind of took that, you know, as a personal thing for me and I wanted to, uh, you know, just try to improve South Dakota and South Dakota state as much as I could. Yeah. Cause 
I'm sure you see plenty of guys these days and you probably even were around them, Mike, that transfer, you know, it seems like almost on a whim when a coach leaves and, you know, you can't blame them sometimes, you know, for wanting to do it and, and getting the best situation. But it just seems like, you know, what you did is probably more in the minority than, than what's happening a lot of times with these coaching changes and stuff like that. So, you know, kudos to you for sticking it out. And uh, then we get, you know, coach TJ Otzelberger comes in, you know, he was an assistant at the university of Washington and uh, you guys get off to a rocky start, Mike. Um, I, I was looking it up. I think you guys started the season at, I think you were one and six at one point. Um, what, what were you thinking at what was going through your head at that point of the year? Like you're one and six, you've got this new coach. What, what was going on? Man, that time was crazy. I, I remember we had a core group of five or six guys um, who stayed because I know guys transferred, a couple guys transferred with Coach Nagy that year. We had a core group of five or six guys. We all came in together and we kind of built this this close bond to each other because of that experience of, of, uh, of our old head coach leaving. So, you know, Coach Otzelberger comes in, brings in a couple new players, obviously brings in a, a new coaching staff. And, uh, you know, for us, it was kind of just an all, all around learning curve. You know, we learned a new offense. We're trying to figure out how, how we can play with each other, how we can benefit each other. And uh, we kind of hit a point of the season, obviously, where we're just losing everything. We, I think I remember that year there was so many just fans talking. We went one through one. We tried zone. We tried man to man. I mean, we tried like four or five diff different defenses that year. Um, and then I remember there was a, a point in the season where, you know, we kind of were all arguing with each other um, and coach brought us in one day and just kind of sat us all down. And we kind of just went off and fired on each other. Everyone was kind of just getting in their, their sense and their words. And I remember um, at the end of that meeting is when, uh, is when we kind of finally all put down our guard, put down our shield and said, listen, if we want to do something, we need to buy into this season um, together. You know, we need to support what our coaches are saying. We need to support what the teammates are saying and just kind of work together as a team. And at that point is when we kind of realized, okay, like we can do this. You know, we're, we're in a rough start, but, you know, it doesn't matter the start right now. We can finish out super strong. And that's just what happened. We had a group of guys who bought into each other, finally started to just kind of enjoy each other's company on and off the court. And uh, that's, when this, that's when the special things started happening for us. Yeah, that's interesting. Those the the team meeting, you know, or hash it out session that you mentioned, those yep. can kind of go one one of two ways. They can, a lot of times they seem to either go really well in a, in the team rallies, or they can you know kind of go in the tank. But uh, um, with with the new coach Otzelberger coming in, Mike, how how did he kind of affect your role with the team, and what did you like most about what he brought to your guys' team? Yeah, for us, um, you know, my, my year of playing with Coach Nagy, he was a very, very, very structured offense and defensive guy. This is These are your parameters. You don't step out of them, but this is what you do. But I can't complain because his system was successful and it was working for us. So when Coach Otz came in, he kind of gave me that ultimate green light and freedom and said, listen, this is, this is something that you can do. We know your, your talents and abilities, um, and we're going to put, you know, the right guys around you to, to help, you know – you like me not only succeed but obviously this program and this team succeed so um you know big props to, to coach Otz because he had he had a vision and he saw it you know before any of us did um and then you know obviously huge props to all the teammates that I've had throughout college because those are the guys who you know bought in and said okay this is my role this is what I'm gonna do because I know it's gonna be successful in the long run um you know so for me uh, to kind of see that and uh, have that confidence built from coach. And he was a huge confidence builder. That that dude would boost up everyone. And Coach Otz just had this vision. And I think he kind of just opened it up to all of us and said, this is what we're going to do. And we just, like I said, we bought into what he was saying and, and we had a lot of success. Yeah, it, it must have worked, Mike, because uh, that year you won your first of three consecutive Summit League Player of the Year awards. And, uh, you know, that season, you guys ended up finishing in the middle of the pack, you know, for conference eight and eight. Um, but you go on into your conference tourney and you end up making it all the way to the championship game of the Summit League. And you beat Nebraska Omaha by two. And I looked up the stats, Mike. You had a huge game that night. Uh, 37 points, 12 rebounds. And that game by winning the conference championship you guys got to go on to the NCAA tourney what do you what do you uh, remember about that game and the way you guys came together at the end of the season 
Yeah, that, that season was really special. Um, I mean, I think back to that and I just remember, you know, I do, I do remember those, the, like you said, the moments of hashing things out, you know, they can go one of two ways and it was super positive for us. And then, you know, for us to be the underdogs, you know, for the first time in a while, um, during those conference tournaments, cause you know, we had great teams before with the Nate Walters era, um, and how he came in and, and they kind of ran the summit league. So for us to, you know, have the success we did the year before and then kind of drop off, have people, you know, kind of forget about us. We go into their radar. We definitely had a, I don't say a chip on our shoulder. I like to say boulder. We had a boulder on our shoulder and, you know, it was just something that we carried with us everywhere we went. And we said, you know what, everyone's against us. So, you know, we just got to, we got our backs against the wall and our only way to do it is to fight together and get out of this thing. So for us to come together as a team, especially during that NCAA tournament run or that uh, conference tournament run, um, it was something special. And I, I mean, I remember it. that was probably one of the most emotional connected I've been to a team in terms of how we started the season to how we finished it. Um, you could just tell we were, we were a group of guys who were just close together um, on and off the court. And, you know, those games were crazy. I mean, I remember still uh, trading on Hollins coming up the, coming up the court um, and chucking up that shot and just thinking to ourselves, man, if it goes, it goes, if it doesn't, then, then, then we're going to be super happy. But I mean, I remember each of those games of the, of the tournament was super tough, you know, the, especially the, the game before that, the South Dakota, uh, South Dakota State game, which is huge in-state rivalries. And I remember um, insane shots in that game. Um, that whole tournament was, was definitely one that I'll remember for the rest of my life. And then being able to, you know, make the NCAA tournament from such a, for some, from such a rocky start of the conference play regular season, um, you know, it turned out something really special. Yeah, what a bounce back. And uh, now we go on to your junior year, Mike. You guys uh, dominated the regular season. You know, you're back to normal, like you said, kind of, kind of at the top of the conference like you're used to being. And uh, you go on and uh, beat University of South Dakota in the Summit League Championship game that year and make the NCAA tournament again. And from what I know, those are your biggest rivals. And what, what is it like in those matchups, Mike, with USD? What are, what are those games like? Uh, those games are so intense. I mean, you, you, you face those guys for so long over your college career. You know what each guy's going to do. You know his strengths, you know his weaknesses. But at the end of the day, you, you got to just fight. You got to, you know, whoever has the most will to win is who's going to take those games. Um, and those are, some of the, so those are some of the greatest rivalries that I'm always going to remember. Um, you know, playing against, playing against University of South Dakota, super hostile fans both ways. I mean, I know our fans, our fans get into it with their fans over social media with signs during the games and things like that. So those are all things that I, that I'll, I'll remember forever. Um, but, but those games are so much fun because those are the type of games that you, you live for, you know, those big moments, you're on the big stage, you're playing against great competition. Um, and then for us to, you know, be fortunate enough to come out with that championship game against a super, super loaded uh, USD team that year. Uh, it was a great feeling. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, beating your rival because you play them twice during the regular season and then in the conference tournament to beat them for the right to go to the NCAA tournament. It's just got to be an unreal feeling. So um, here, here's where I think part of your journey is, is super interesting too, Mike. So you're winning your second Summit League Player of the Year award again, back-to-back -back years, and you're having a great season and you guys go into the NCAA tournament and um, at the end of the year comes and you put your name in for the NBA draft and you decide to pull out and come back to school. What kind of went, went down for, for that and, and your thought process for coming back to school? Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, that was when kind of the NBA and NCAA kind of declared that you can, you know, you can declare for the draft without hiring an agent and you don't have to, you don't, you know, cause I know in the past, once you declare, like you're in, you're in the draft, you can't pull your name out you can't go back so with them being able to change that rule that that opened the door for players like me to put my name in the draft get feedback from you know some of these teams on what I need to improve on what I can do to you know increase my draft stock either that year or the following year so for me um I was in touch with who my current agent is now at that time and I was able to you know kind of pick his brain about what's best for me what, what do I need to do and he thought you know what throw your name out there let's see see what happens um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, you can always come back to school. So for me, it was just a big learning process, you know, throwing my name out there. What can I get feedback on what I need to improve on? 
um, take that back into going into summer and then getting ready for my for my senior year of college. Yeah. So after going through that process, Mike, did you have a good feeling, a bad feeling, you know, coming up with obviously coming back to school that that someday you'd have a shot at that? You know, what what kind of feedback were you getting? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I'm, I feel like I'm a very realistic guy. Um, you know, I knew that I wasn't about to get drafted that year. I knew, um, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to be a guy that boosts his name from undrafted to suddenly being in the first round type of thing. So for me, the feedback was obviously, you know, getting better on defense, who can I cover and then just being consistent. Um, you know, a lot of it nowadays is you find guys um, who are just consistent. They shoot the ball at a 40% clip and they hold it there for their entire career. Or, you know, on defense, they, they rebound and they don't, you know, they're just super consistent with these certain areas and, and specialty skills. And uh, that's one thing that I kind of just, I'm like, okay, like I need to improve on this, this, and just kind of stay consistent throughout. So I was able to to take that and bring that back into, you know, trying to improve myself for for my senior season. But uh, it was a, it was a big a big process for me, a big learning, a learning thing that uh, definitely helped me improve. Yeah. So were you excited to come back for your senior year, Mike? What was uh, kind of your mindset then going, going back, you know, with your teammates? Oh, super excited. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was a great year, you know, the year before, cause the guys who didn't redshirt with me, you know, they were kind of my best friends and they're getting ready to leave. But for me to come back, um, we had such a close net group of guys, um, and that's, you know, a huge credit to, you know, kind of just the, what we built as a team, as a coaching staff there at South Dakota State. They just brought guys that just meshed together, and we just bought into everything together. You know, we were, we were a group of guys who hanged out, would hang, hang out with each other more uh, off the court, you know, than anyone else, and we always, like, made a point to just be close to each other. We always wanted to be the closest group of guys on the court, and because we felt that you know, that's what's going to win games is you have fun with those guys on and off the court. And that's what helps you succeed as a team. So for me to go back to South Dakota State was uh, almost a no brainer decision. It was easy for me because I knew um, that I was going back to something special. Yeah. So we get to your senior year, Mike, you're super pumped. And you guys have a great regular season. You win the conference title again by one game. You win Summit Player of the Year again for a third straight year. You average 25 points, 11 rebounds and uh, have an awesome regular season. And then we get to the conference tournament and the, the opening round game against uh, Western Illinois, who finished second to last in the conference in the regular season. And you guys had just beaten them by 20 points in your last regular season game one week earlier. And then what happens? Yeah, that, that, you know, that game was uh, incredibly hard for me. Um, it's almost still seems surreal just because of how much support we have during all those conference tournaments. That was my, you know, last time playing in front of a, a huge, you know, South Dakota State Jackrabbit crowd down in Sioux Falls. Um, you know, but a, a lot of credit to those guys. You know, those, you know, they're Division One basketball players. I, I'm not going to take anything off of how they finished the conference or how they finished, um, you know, any years past. It's tough to play teams, you know, three or four times in a year or over the, you know, past, past three or four years, um, you play against those same guys and, uh, you know, they came out just with more will to win. They came out with more fire and intensity than us. Um, and I definitely would say that, you know, we kind of went into that, you know, the number one seed, we're kind of probably overlooked them a little bit and they just came out with more will to win and, um, definitely shocked us, surprised us. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's all stuff to, to learn from, um, you know, the, the biggest thing I felt bad for that year is, uh, you know, just my, my freshmen and, and the guys that I wanted to help, you know, get to another NCAA tournament. I, I kind of took that, took that really hard that season just because I felt like a lot of that, a lot of that game was on my shoulders. Um, I could have done better, but I'm sure, you know, uh, the coaching staff and everyone will say it's always been a team thing. But, uh, you know, for me, that, that, was a, that was a really tough game, but uh, it was, you know, all, all learning experience. Yeah, so you, your career, Mike, at you know, four years at South Dakota State, you made it three of the four years to the NCAA tournament, but you didn't your senior season. You know, how, I guess that just kind of speaks to being at a mid-major, you know, when you have a great regular season, but you don't win the conference tournament, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you to win that conference championship because that essentially is the only way you're going to make the NCAA tournament. What is that like, Mike, as a, as a player, you know, in a mid-major to really kind of know that you're, 
bid for an NCAA tournament is kind of on the line with that conference tournament. What is that like? It's tough for sure. Um, and, you know, like you said, I, I was actually, I was on both ends of it. You know, for, for me, my freshman year, we we're kind of at the top. Then my sophomore year, we we're at the bottom. Um, but there's pros and cons to, to that kind of style of play for us mid-majors. You know, for us, my sophomore season, we were, we were bad and we finished super strong. And we were able to make it to the NCAA tournament. And then, you know, my senior season, we were super good. And it just goes to show that if you're not ready to play those games, you, you know, you kind of have to take it. My dad always says it's a one-game season. And you have to kind of take those games very, very seriously because that is your only shot to get to the NCAA tournament. So for us, um, you know, it's tough. It's, it's tough, but at the same time, you know, going in, you know, you got a big target on your back and, you know, the big games are the big games. You got to win those, those key ones to, to get to where you want to be. But, you know, it's, it's tough to play like that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all part of it. It's part of being a, uh, at a mid-major school. So you just kind of got to deal with it. Yeah, I think that's why those games are so – I love watching them on TV, you know, because there's so much emotion going into them because the team that wins knows they're going to the big dance and the team that doesn't knows they're, they're not. So um, we finish your, your senior year, Mike, unfortunately, on a, on a sour note, but you had an awesome, just unbelievable career. And you're getting ready for the NBA draft and, you know, hoping for the best. And you kind of have an injury. Can you take us through what happened there? Yeah, so, um, I mean, it probably started, you know, a couple games before, um, just a hairline fracture in my, in my left foot. Um, so, I, of course, how my mind works, season gets over, I'm like, okay, I'm in decent shape right now. I might as well just keep this flowing into the summer and into these, you know, NBA draft workouts. Um, so, for me, I keep working. I keep pushing myself. I'm doing, you know, even more running than I was during the season because I want to put myself in the best possible position position to you know going into this NBA draft process and then for me um, it's one night and I remember you know my foot just kind of started to really ache and I, I just knew that feeling in the bottom of my heart because you know after my redshirt freshman year um, I had a stretch fracture too so I just knew that 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 was something that could have been a possibility I go to the doctors and they pretty much are like yeah you're done for you know the next the next six weeks we're going to put you in a boot you got to be no pressure on it and for me, that's so, 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 so hard to hear because I'm a gym rat. I love to work out. I love to, you know, have a ball in my hands 24-7 and pretty much just them telling you, you know, you got to stop right now. So going into the draft process for me was kind of non-existent that year. Um, but at the same time, you know, I look at things as opportunities, not obstacles. And I see how I can get better with what I'm given um, at that current state. And, you know, my mindset has always been super strong. I've never had a problem with injuries or things like that, because I know I'm going to bounce back or I know I'm going to find ways to improve uh, during that time. So for me, it was a lot of ball handling from a chair. Um, it was a lot of one foot shooting when I could. And, uh, you know, I just found ways to, to try to get better during that process. Yeah. So you missed, obviously, probably the draft combine and all the events like that, Mike. How much do you think missing events like that kind of hurt your ability to get drafted? Because ultimately you, you did go undrafted then. Yeah, I, I actually, I do think that it, it hurt me um, a lot. You know, it hurt me, um, you know, not necessarily even going to the, the draft combine, which was a goal of mine since, since my junior year when I declared. I said, I, I want to go to the draft combine for that experience and that exposure just because I know um, that I can shine and that I can, you know, with my abilities, I can kind of open, open some people's eyes to, oh, this kid is legit. You know, he's not just from mid-major he's not putting up these crazy numbers for nothing so um not missing that but missing just the draft workouts in general um you know there was those those are the workouts where I know I can go and and show people what I'm about and show people you know what I can do so I definitely think that that hurt me um you know I, I wouldn't say that going to those things would have crazy you know put me up in first round but I definitely think that I could have opened some eyes to you know a better a better possibility of me getting drafted or, or even making an NBA roster yeah so you go undrafted then Mike as, as we talked about but you're invited to summer league um, with the Portland Trailblazers um, which must have been a pretty cool thrill for you did you feel confident that you could catch on with them or another team then once you kind of got that opportunity to to be in NBA summer league I definitely, I definitely did. Um, you know, I'm a very confident person. Um, you know, I believe in what I've done and the hard work that I've put in. I'm um, in just the countless hours in the gym and my abilities. 
Um, so going into that experience, obviously, you know, it's starting from point zero. I'm a rookie again. I'm going into, you know, this, this uh, a legit NBA situation. Um, and I'm very fortunate that Portland uh, picked me up for, for summer league. But at the same time, too, it is hard because at that time, you know, I didn't do any workouts. I wasn't, I wasn't in the gym playing five on five. So I kind of had to catch my groove again. Um, but it was, a, it was a fantastic experience, you know, being able to, to come out to Portland uh, practice with those guys and get up and down the court again, just kind of get my footing, um, you know, back in place. Um, so for me, the experience was fantastic. Uh, you know, at, personally, you always go in and you want to play more, you want to do things more, but I also understand, um, you know, what I needed to improve on, what I needed to work on. And I'm very, you know, something that I, I would say is just being coachable. You know, I'm going to do whatever the coach says, if that's on the bench or on, uh, in the game, it doesn't matter. Um, so, I'm very, I'm a guy who's going to listen to whatever coach says, whatever's going on. I'm, I'm not going to complain about not playing. I'm not going to, you know, go and complain to my AAU coaches, my agent or anything like that, because I know ultimately it's on my shoulders and, and I'm the one who needs to, you know, do whatever it takes to improve. So I was just very fortunate to, you know, be able to play with Portland and get some minutes and then at, at least, um, you know, kind of try to get myself out there a little bit after my senior season. So. So after that, Mike, here's where I think you can really provide some valuable insight and um, just some knowledge from your perspective. You have a decision to make, right? So you can either go the G League route or you can kind of explore the options to play overseas. And I think that's a, a big thing to look at for kids or, or parents that have kids that are in that situation. Um, what kind of led to your decision to play overseas? There was a couple of things, um, you know, having a good relationship with my agent is something that, you know, I took very seriously. I wasn't, I wasn't about to, to sign with an agency who, you know, obviously was just trying to make money off me. I wanted an agent who uh, legit cared about me, my family, um, and the things that I believed in. So having a, having a good relationship with my agent was definitely one of the keys to making that decision because, um, because of what he believes, I know that I trust him. So I'm going to, I'm going to be more willing to kind of hear out and hear what he has to say. Uh, another thing for me is I've seen, you know, firsthand, one of my, one of my best friends in Matt Thomas who's with the Toronto Raptors right now. Um, he went overseas and I kind of see his blueprint and where he went. And I'm like, Oh, that's something that I can follow. And then, um, you know, at the end of the day, too, uh, money becomes a big part of it. You know, basketball becomes a business after college and it's about, you know, making money. And I'm a guy who, you know, obviously wants to play on a team, but also have that opportunity to make, you know, a living from playing basketball. So for me, um, I saw a big opportunity where I could make very good money overseas play in a super, super high level league, you know, the ACB, I know a lot of people probably don't know about it, but how many former NBA guys or current guys that could be in the NBA right now play in the ACB. Um, so for me going overseas, um, you know, it's something that's a, a very serious decision because obviously one year in the States or two you're an ocean away from your family and things like that. And you do have to kind of have a mental toughness to yourself of, Oh, I'm about to go live by myself, um, you know, overseas in a foreign country. Um, you know, for a year and just kind of see how it goes. But at the end of the day, it's, it's turned out to be, you know, one of the best decisions just because I do believe that um, NBA scouts and people are really looking um, at these overseas options. Um, and I know they, they look at the, the G League, obviously it's right there too, but, you know, they see that this, there, there is this talent level overseas um, that's kind of unpicked. And, you know, you have, have however many guys that come in from overseas and, and turn out to be superstars in the NBA. So the ACB is definitely one of those leagues that I think is underrated in terms of, you know, the skill level and talent and, and everything that goes on in basketball is, is, is very, very high over in Spain. Yeah. So can you also share with us, Mike, like from, from your perspective, obviously you said you, you leaned on your agent quite a bit, but how, how do you even know which league to play in and or which team to play on? Are you really just relying on your agent for all of that? Or are you kind of doing some of that research yourself? So I, I would say a lot of it is, is relying on my agent. He's, he's kind of, he gives me the blueprint of it. And then I'm the one who likes to go in and, and dig and find out stuff. Um, and like I said, you know, with me having a, a great resource in Matt Thomas, where he went to the same team in Spain that, that I went my first year, um, I was able to pick his brain about, about um, 
you know, how was it? What was it like? Um, you know, what is this team legit? Is the money, is the money coming in on time? Is the, is the level of basketball high over there? And, and that's one thing I, I do encourage players reach out reach out to other basketball players if you know them or you don't know them shoot them a message I mean I know that I I talk to other guys in college right now who are like yo how's Spain how's the league over there is the basketball legit and and I have nothing but good things to say about Spain and the league just because you know it is a resource and and uh, all those basketball players you know have this connection because we understand the grind of everything so I definitely encourage anyone to to just reach out um ask how it's going um and, and just try to get information. You know, everything's so available on the web nowadays that you can pull up information about anything. But no, during that time, it was a lot of relying on my agent um, to just kind of get me the information. But then obviously, how I work too, again, I like to dive in deep and, and make sure I'm well informed. Yeah, that's great stuff. So as you mentioned, Mike, you're in the, the ACB League in Spain, which is the top league for those that, that don't know in Spain. You know, you got teams like FC Barcelona and so on. Um, it was the same league that Ricky Rubio played in, among others, for, for those Timberwolves fans out there. Um, what has your experience been like over there so far, Mike? Because obviously you, it's a big adjustment. You know, you're playing in a foreign country. You've got to learn a new language. Um, all of that stuff. So what, what was the experience like for you this year? It was a fantastic experience. Um, you know, kind of like I said before, you realize once college basketball is over, it, it becomes a business. So you have to, you know, you get picked up by these teams, you're getting paid good money and they expect you pro- to produce. Um, so you kind of realize, you know, I, I'm, you know, I need to be consistent. I need to be, you know, good with what I do because in the blink of an eye, you could get cut or you could just not play. But my experience was fantastic. You know, I was very fortunate to, to go over and have, um, you know, be put on a team who has a, a great coaching staff, who cares about the players on and off the court, who has guys. Um, you know, once, once you're in the league, guys are all different ages. You know, there's guys on, on my team this past year who have been, you know, 14, 15-year professional veterans, and I'm coming in my first year. Um, so being able to, you know, take time away from their family and just, uh, you know, connect with you is definitely something that makes the experience super special. And then playing, you know, such high level basketball, it's awesome. You know, it's something that I've dreamed about ever since I was a little kid of playing basketball as my job. You know, that's something that, you know, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate and blessed to say is I can play basketball for a living. Um, and I know that that can be taken away in the blink of an eye. So I, I definitely like to, you know, try to take things, um, day by day enjoy what I'm doing, um, enjoy the people that I'm around and just kind of enjoy the process. But the experience has been, you know, fantastic. And I have nothing bad to say about, you know, going overseas. Yeah. And I don't want to take a stab at pronouncing the name of the team that you played for. Mike, could you tell us the name of the team so I don't embarrass myself by, by trying to pronounce that? Yep. It's a Mambas Obradorio. So oh, it's, uh, yep, it's a, it's a team in, in, uh, I would say North, Northwestern Spain, um, in the town of Santiago de Compostela. Okay. Very good. Very good. And, and looking at your roster, Mike, is this correct? There was one other American player on your team. Is that accurate? Yep. Yep. We had, uh, one other dude with, uh, his name's Fletcher McGee. And I know a lot of people probably know him three point leading three point shooter in all NCA, um, played at Watford and, uh, He's, he's one of my, he's one of my really close friends. So for me during that time, you know, I knew Fletch um, in college and it was easy for me to be able to reach out to him and be like, yo, like about to be on the same team. This is, is going to be a great experience. Um, so it's, it was fantastic to really get to know him too. Good. So, so how's uh, the competition over there, Mike? Was it a surprise for you or is it kind of what you thought it would be? Uh, I would say it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, obviously there's each level, there's a, there's a learning curve to, to each level coming out of high school to college, college to professional. Um, you realize the physicality of things is, is crazy. You realize, you know, like I said, you play against guys who are 30, 30 years old and they just have this old, I like to call it old man strength. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm a rookie and I think I'm pretty strong, but man, I get out there and, and there's guys who just have a, a, such a high level of basketball IQ. They know where to be. They know when the ball's going to bounce here. Um, and, you know, you see them and you're like, oh, man, they're not crazy athletic, but they're just smart. They know how to position themselves correctly. So going over there and playing, um, guys, have, guys are, you know, amazing. Guys are, guys are crazy athletic, crazy good, crazy smart. Um, and it's just an all-around great league to, you know, say I had my first uh, rookie year in. Um, it's, a, it's a great league for exposure, too, for, 
you know, hopefully, good Lord willing, one day trying to get back to the States to play on a team. But uh, the, the ACB is a fantastic league. So we're nearing the, the end of the show here, Mike, just a couple things to wrap up with. But uh, is the goal still for Mike Dom to, to make it to the NBA? 100%. Um, that's been a dream of mine ever since I was a little kid um, was to play in the NBA. And, you know, for me, I know that opportunities can come and go. Um, and for me, I just gonna, gonna keep my head down and keep working. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy who's not going to take things for granted. Um, I'm not going to complain about where I'm at, you know, what team I'm playing on. Um, but one day I would, I would love to be able to come back to the States, make an NBA roster and, and have that opportunity to, to play in the NBA. So that's definitely, that's definitely my goal. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm very blessed to just be in the position I am where I can play basketball for a living. Yeah. I can imagine, like you said, to, uh, you know, that's your job to play. You get paid to play basketball. That's got to be so cool. So now we're getting to the the fun part of the show, Mike, and we kind of came up with a special name for for this part. So we're going to call it the bear trap. You know, play on on words with my last uh, name and, like and, it. and uh and, and the show's name. So got a couple questions here for you. If okay. you could go to any sporting event, it could have already happened or in the future, and be, you know, courtside, first row, whatever. It could this could be a basketball game, a football game, any sporting event that has already happened and been played or could be in the future, what uh what game would Mike Dom want to be at? I would want to be, this is a throwback, 2011, the Dallas Mavericks when they won, when they won, uh, when they won the finals championship with Dirk. I, I admire Dirk as a player. I literally have just one like championship t-shirt with the Dallas Mavericks holding that trophy. And uh, that's, definitely, that's definitely one game that I wish I could go back and just be, be courtside because I'm a huge Mavericks fan. I'm a huge Dirk fan. And, and just to see him win that championship would have been legendary. Love it. Yeah, I could see the comparisons to you and Dirk. I could see how you'd yeah. want to model yeah. your game after him, tall and lanky like that. That's great. So, okay, second question. Um, I have all the guests go through, Mike, is uh, we have what I like to call your dream five, starting five, okay? So if you can name your um, ultimate starting five, this isn't, you know, who do you think's the best center, best power forward of all time, but more so your favorite players, you know, who were your guys growing up? So I can give you my five guys. Okay. Uh, and I'll let you think about it for a second. So for me, my five would be Michael Jordan, obviously number one. Um, then I would have Penny Hardaway, Steve Nash. I just loved his game. Larry Bird, Larry Bird, your guy, Larry. Um, I just think he was ultimate shooter, trash talker, and could back it up. Yeah, and yeah. then um, obviously with my Timberwolves connections, I'd round it out with, with KG. So nice. those would be my, my five. What, uh, who does Mike Dom roll out there for his five? Okay. Okay. I like this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Michael Jordan too. Huge fan, you know, the last dance, loving, loving every episode right now. Yes. So I'm, I'm Michael Jordan too. Um, Got to go with Dirk. Uh, like I said, huge, huge Dirk fan. Love just his ability to shoot at his height and, and the fadeaway is unstoppable. Um, I'm going to go with Larry. I love Larry Legend too. Like I can't get over it. I think he's one of the, the craftiest guys I think I've seen. The, the guy just was a, a magician with the ball. Um, and then I'm going to go with Clay Thompson. Uh, I love the dude's form, his ability to shoot, how he moves without the basketball, something that I think I've admired, um, you know, since I was young and just, just watching him. And then my last guy is going to be KD. Uh, KD, he's, he's a baller. You know, I just, I think he's, he's so crafty with the ball, his ability to handle it, um, shoot at such a high level. And, and he's a dude that I've, I've just loved watching film on ever since I was younger. No, I think that was five. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great five. That's a All great right. five. So also Mike is someone who's playing overseas. Do you still watch a lot of college games? Did you watch a lot of Jackrabbit games this year? Do you watch a lot of NBA? I know the time zones are different. So are, are you able to watch those games over there? Uh, I was, there was, there was certain, certain nights when I would stay up, you know, two, 3 a.m. just to catch, just to catch games. Um, but you know, I, I'm a student of the game. I love to, I call myself a sponge because I love to just try to absorb as much as I can. Um, and I do try to stay up to date with my college teammates. Obviously I, I still have a lot of friends who are on the team now. So being able to watch them this year was fun. And then, yeah, I, I try to watch as much NBA games as I can just because 
I just love it. I just love it. I can't get enough of watching guys go off, watching, you know, crafty moves and things like that. It's all something that I feel like I can try to absorb and, and look at to improve my own game. Okay. And last question from the bear trap here, Mike. Um, what was your most memorable game to date here out of all the games you had in high school, you know, college this year in the, in the ACB, what's, what's Mike Dom's most memorable game that, that you played? Ah, uh, the most memorable game I played. Uh, I would actually, I'm going to have to say uh, there was one game when I scored uh, uh, 51 points in college. Um, that game was crazy. It was against uh, Fort Wayne. My mom, my mom and her friend like drove up for the game, just like a random game, just picked it out and drove up for it um, or flew to it. And I just remember that game too was kind of a pivotal game my sophomore year to us trying to get a better position in the summer league tournament um but that game was was insane um you know obviously a huge shout out to all my teammates that game because those guys were just feeding me the ball um all game long so that was that was definitely one of the most memorable games but I mean all those conference tournament wins two are games that I'll never forget so it's it's hard to pick just one no that's great so you made it through the bear trap man congrats I survived just a few scratches yes no, appreciate it. And that, that kind of leads us to the end of the show here, Mike. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat and talk about your journey because I really think it's an interesting one. And I, I really like your progression from, you know, small town Nebraska to now, you know, like you said, your dream getting paid to play basketball at a professional level. That's just awesome. So congrats to you. No, thank you so much, you know, having me on. It's, it's been fun to obviously get to know you and, uh, you know, have this connection. So I'm glad I could come on the show and, and, and chat for a while. You bet. And hopefully we can have you on again when you uh, sign with an NBA team here down the road. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right, Matt. Sounds good, man. I'll talk to you soon.